Man, I'm honored to get to stand up in here, stand up here in front of you to preach this morning. I uh, do not feel oh, it's a good word, worthy to do that, um, especially today. And it's because today's a little different. And when I say that, <clears throat> this message, as I've prepared it this week, <clears throat> I have battled and battled and battled and struggled with it so much that I haven't been able to sleep. And that that's, hasn't happened like that. And like I said, battle. And so I'm going to go ahead and just kind of give a disclaimer on the front end. I'm exhausted. My voice is a little bit low. I will try to yell if you fall asleep. That way I can just kind of keep you accountable. Uh, but I, I'll, I want to say this. There are some topics that God has led me to talk about that honestly I don't want to. I'm like scared to do it. And partially because, like, I, I love you guys, and I like your approval, too. Like, I, I don't want to make you mad, or I don't want to, to offend. I, I don't want to hurt, or anything like that. And I really, I really like it when people like me. Anybody else like that? Yeah? And so, I'm just, I'm just confessing that and being honest. And so, there was part of me that almost just tossed it. Um, and so, saying that, I just want to say this. That, first of all... I am not without sin, 100%. I stand before you a wreck, okay? And just know that in no way is this meant to be condemning, what I'm gonna talk about today. If, and I wanna challenge you with something, if in your heart there is turmoil, turmoil and just kinda, you are not feeling good about it, I, I want you to consider this that it might not be offense that you're feeling, but maybe conviction. So in saying that, I promise that I have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that I wouldn't say a single thing today that was my opinion, but that everything I said today was backed by this book. That's a fun intro, huh? So, speaking of this book, if you don't have one with you, um, man, they're gonna, there's gonna be some ushers coming around, hold your hand up, we'll bring you one, um, so you can check that out. The other thing I'll ask is if you get like super mad at me, please don't throw anything at me. Uh, my reflexes are not great right now, and then there's lights in my eyes, and the other thing I'd ask you to do is don't walk out on me. Like, just hang in there, see what God might wanna do today. With that being said, I'm gonna pray real quick, y'all cool with that? Let's pray. We're in this together today, okay? We're in this together. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, you above all. I'm scared, <laughs> mostly because I have to confront my own sin. Um, so I just pray that your spirit moves in this place. Not to induce shame, but to induce conviction that leads to repentance, that leads to joy, that leads to life, and that leads to unity. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, we ready? Oh, I don't know if I am. You know what? I'm good. We're going to sing again. <laughs> if you've got your Bible, if you would turn to... The book of John. I like the book of John. Y'all like the book of John? I'm a big fan. I got to get this all in order here. There we go. <clears throat> John 17. <clears throat> We're going to start in verse 14 and read through 18. And I just want us to observe kind of what is said here. When I say observe, we're just basically going to go, man, what is, what is it saying? Not complicated, not reading into it too deep. What's he saying? We're going to kind of word it so we can kind of understand. So John 17, 14 through 18. <clears throat> I got to get there too. What page is it on? I'm, just I'm glad you know. It's pretty cool. <clears throat> All right. Is it up on the screen? Good. I have given them your word, 
and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Hang with him there. Sanctify them in the truth, because your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So these are the words of Jesus, and he is actually praying for you. He's praying for you. Do you know that? Thousands of years ago, your Savior on this planet walking around, he prayed for you. God is personal. God it desires a personal connection with you, and he loves you, and he knows you, and he wants you to know him. And we can see this here because Jesus is asking something of the Father for us. And basically this is what he's saying, that he's given us the word. Now the word is not necessarily the entire Bible, right? New Testament wasn't written yet. Um, but basically the word was what he revealed when he came to earth in his teachings, in his actions, in his person. It was the, the fulfillment of all the scriptures already. The fullness of God dwelt in him. He revealed God himself. So this word, the key to unlock everything that reveals God is in Jesus. And it says, he has given us that word. That's it. It goes on also in the next observation, it says this, that I am not of this world, and so you are not of this world. That's me and you, church. We are not of this world, and the world hates us because of it, because it hates Jesus. That's what he's saying. But we can see clearly that even though we're not of this world, we are in this world. Now, would you put your kids around a bunch of people that hated them? Oh, well, that's, that's twisted. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> okay, um, but this is what Jesus says. Don't take them out of the world. You're not of this world. You're in it, and the world hates you, but don't take them out, God. But protect them, please. While they're there, protect them from the evil one. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Basically, he's saying, transform them. Continue to reveal yourself to them. Continue to shape their reality into what it's always really been about, not what the world says it's about. And so that's the whole concept. The reason that the world hates Jesus and hates us, right, is because we don't go with the flow of the world. The world teaches one thing, and we teach another. Okay? They, they butt heads. And the world hates what, what we are, what we will be transformed into, because it is more powerful. Okay? Just some baseline here. <clears throat> and he goes on to say, I'm sending them into the world as you sent me into the world. Okay? So here's where we're starting. He gave us the word. That's the whole truth and revelation of God in himself. He says, we're not of the world and the world hates you. He says, you're in the world, but I don't want you to get taken out. I want you to be protected from the evil one. I want you to be sanctified in truth. Your word is truth, but I'm sending you. To me, that means this, that I'm keeping you in this world for a purpose. And just as I was sent, you will be sent too. So you're going, okay, dude. You didn't really intro this message at all other than like Debbie Downer in it, right? So what are we talking about today? We've been doing this misconception series, and so we got, we've been going kind of through these phrases, if you've been here around, these kind of phrases that aren't really true. And this, this one is a, a tough one, and it's, it's something you've probably heard before, maybe even something you've said before, but it says, love the sinner, hate the sin. Right, have you heard that before? Anybody heard that? Love the sinner, hate the sin. That's, that's how we... It's a, it's a kind of a proclamation of how you could interact with culture. You could interact with the world, okay? I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. It sounds almost good. Like it sounds maybe even close to theologically correct, 
but it's dangerous, it's harmful. So that's where we're going, but really this whole message is how are we, as the church, as followers of Christ, to interact with culture? And it's easy. We're sent as Jesus was sent. So how was Jesus sent into the world? Y'all know John 3.16? God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only son? Or believe him in? Yeah. Eternal life? What does John 3.17 say? He was sent into the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. See, a lot of times the world thinks, and even we think, maybe tucked back there in our head, that we're actually here to condemn the world. We're here to say, you are wrong. But if we are sent as Jesus is sent, we are not going out to condemn the world, but to save the world. And even though the world hated him, in Philippians 2, it says that he emptied himself for it. He took on the form of a servant. He took on the likeness of man. He became a man. He lowered himself. The God who spoke the stars into existence made himself a crummy human. He moved in to your neighborhood. From glory to the slums, he humbled himself, and he became obedient even unto death, even death on a cross. Now, I want you to understand something. The Old Testament says that anyone hung on a tree is cursed. He was obedient to death on a cross where he took on the curse, and that curse was yours, and that curse was mine. Even when we hated him. You get that? He humbled himself for people who hated him. Why? This is 1 John 4, verse 10. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent us to be the propitiation for our sins. You like that word? Propitiation. That means he paid the penalty in wrath. He took wrath on behalf of the people who hated him because he loved the people who hated him. That is good news for you and for me, amen? Because he loved you, even though you didn't love him. Before you agreed with him, before you were introduced, before you were born, he loved you. In John 15 it says that no greater love is this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends, and Jesus has done that for you, and now he calls you friend. You were once an enemy, now you are a friend, a child, a son, a daughter, a citizen. This is the gospel. And Jesus keeps all the commandments that we see. You know what he said at the beginning? He said, I've given you the word like I've given you all the word. Here's what the word is. It's the commandments. I'm not talking about the ten commandments. I'm talking about the greatest commandments and then the new commandment that Jesus gives. And then that's it. That's this. <clears throat> love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He moved into your neighborhood and he loved you. He says, you've heard it in Matthew 5, he says, you've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. You were his enemy and he loved you. And later on he says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. And he laid his life down for you as a friend. You were his neighbor and he made you his neighbor. He didn't choose for you to be his enemy, but he loved you, his enemy. He loves you like a friend. This is how Jesus was sent into the world, to love those who hated him so much that he would take the full wrath and penalty for sin. None of us in this life, at least, 
will understand the, the depth of what that means. So John 20, 21 says this, more or less. As the Father has sent me, I send you. So let me ask you a question. <clears throat> We're talking about today, how are we going to interact with culture? And when I say culture, I'll say the world, the people around us. How are we going to interact with that? If Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I'm going to send you, does he just mean in a kind of a general sense, like just sending in general? No, 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 no. When he says, as he sent me, I'm going to send you, he means the exact same way with love. And right now you're sitting there going, oh, this sermon ain't, ain't so heavy. That's cool, man. That's good news. Everybody loves love. Who don't love love? I was at a wedding last night. I saw a lot of love lovers. Amen? Some tears and some crying. Some crazy folks. Not, not, none of y'all, but yeah. <laughs> so, and we love love. This is how we're to interact with the world, with that kind of love. A selfless, sacrificial love that is for the benefit of others. Because why? That's how Jesus loves you. And let me tell you something right here and right now. That is not how the world operates. That's why the world hates it. The world is flowing in the other direction. The current's moving a different way. So this concept of this kind of love, that is insanely countercultural. Over the top, counter to everything that we are surrounded by. There's these cool verses in Romans. It's the first two verses in uh, chapter 12 of Romans. Basically says, like, offer yourself up as a living sacrifice. And in verse two, what is really cool, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And I've always wondered kind of what that second one meant. I kind of understood what it meant to be conformed to this world, but then transformed by the renewing of your mind, I always thought, well, what does that mean? If I get smarter, then it'll make me different. You know, I, I didn't know. And honestly, it wasn't until 5 a.m. this morning where the Holy Spirit was like, you need to be transformed. About to get heavy, y'all. About to get real heavy. <clears throat> Our country is insane right now. Isn't it? And it's funny because <clears throat> it's real easy. I remember, you know, growing up to feel real distant from stuff that happens in the world. You know, you might get a little screenshot. You know, I grew up <clears throat> um, when we were in Iraq the first time, Desert Storm. <clears throat> and I remember I lived in Clarksville, so Fort Campbell was right there. And I remember them bringing in <clears throat> guys who'd been like wounded in action to talk to us. It was just, so I was around kind of that and just being <clears throat> around war. It didn't, it didn't really seem real, you know? It was on the other side of the world. You just kind of got snippets of it. And, you know, you, you, you might, like, see on the news where there was a robbery in Nashville or there was a murder or whatever, but it, it might flash to your mind, oh, man, that's rough. And then 30 seconds later, you're like, man, is the chicken ready? You know? And so it's easy to distance ourselves from it, but for some reason, and it might just be me, but for some reason, the past couple of months have seemed very close. They're more near than normal. We're more involved than normal. We're invested in, in a way, and it's not quite been this much. And I think it might be because of all the things that have happened in rapid succession. Maybe that's it. But I've started to notice things that, that started to kind of not make me afraid, but kind of going, whoa, is this... Are we going to look back on this time in 30 years and read about it in history books? You know, what did, what did they say when the civil rights movement was happening? They probably didn't realize what was going on in, in the moment, did they? And it would be silly for us to go, oh, it's just this and it's just that and it's not a big deal. And, oh, they'll get over this and they'll get over this and blah, 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 blah. And it'll pass us by and we think it will, but maybe it's a turning point. And I think, honestly, it might need to be. And trust me, I'm not the guy who talks about politics. You can ask my parents. Not a big fan of the politics. Never have been. Told myself I would never vote in my life a while back. I've changed my opinion. Didn't have a lot to vote for in November, but yeah. So, I, this is not like political. This is, this is to show us something. See, here's the deal. We are countercultural 
And it's based on this kind of wild love, this wild giving selfless thing. And that is countercultural to the world. And it seems like right now that the world is actually giving you choices. Especially in this country. And the choices, the only choices that you have are completely polarizing. Meaning, if you choose this, you will be far, far away from the other choice. And honestly, it seems like you only have two options in any issue, isn't it? You're either right or you're left. You're Republican or Democrat. You're black or you're white. You're right or you're wrong. And here's the deal. Whatever side you choose means that you're at war with the other side. Doesn't it seem that way? Any issue, any issue. Heck, dude, we're at war about NFL. We're at war about football. And not like SEC football, which I get. Which, that's all I want to talk about, SEC football today, okay? Uh. Hush. You need Jesus, man. Uh. But it, it seems like any issue that comes about, there's only two choices. You either can choose this or you can choose that. And it's not just going to be some little deal. It's going to be fiery. It's going to be hot. It is going to be charged with emotion. And some of the issues that we're facing right now are really, really important. And I'm just kind of looking around the room right now, and it looks like we don't have a very diverse crowd in here, right? And I think it's very easy for a bunch of white folks to to easily pawn off some of the issues that are going on right now. Maybe those do feel distant, but I'm, I'm telling you, here and now, I wonder what it felt like when Martin Luther King hit the scene for the first time. I told you that this was going to get real. Some of you right now are going, hold on now, buddy. Where are you going? You've already brought up NFL. You've already brought up some racist stuff. See, the thing is, is the world is giving you the options. You're on one side or the other, and you're at war no matter which side you're on. And I'll be honest, neither side's winning on any of these things going on. Nobody's winning. There is no victor in any of this. See, the way it's offering it up to you is like this. On purpose, it's divisive. It is purposefully divisive. It's purposefully polarizing. Think about this, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dissing on you, listen to me if you're like into CNN or Fox News. But let me just say this. You think those two are polarizing? Opposite ends of the spectrum, correct? I don't watch either of them because I'm not over 50. No, that's a joke. Uh, (laughs) That's a joke, I'm kidding. Uh, There's some truth in it, but it's not a joke. It's a joke. Here's the deal. They're incredibly polarizing, but guess what? Without one, the other one doesn't exist. You think that they're worst enemies? No, 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 no. They're partners. And I don't mean like some conspiracy theory like, oh, the, you know, the Vanderbilts own both of them. No, I'm not saying the crazy stuff. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is they really like when the other one gets riled up because that means they get to get riled up. That means they get you riled up, which makes them more money, which makes you invest more time, which keeps you coming back, which keeps everything moving, moving, moving further apart from each other. It gets further away, more divided, more polarized, Split in two. I don't know if you realize this, but that's the exact tactic of our true enemy, Satan. See, Satan's already defeated. Take comfort in that. If you are in Christ, he has been vanquished. Your foe is dead. He has conquered him. But what he can do is divide. 
What he can do is slow down what God is doing. Satan hates God. He hates, hates God. And he will do anything that he can do to slow his mission down. He knows that he's defeated, but I'm going to tell you this right here and right now. He's not attacking like people who hate God. He's attacking the church. That's his tactic. He wants to divide you, to polarize you. It's pure evil. And here's the deal. My heart is so heavy. Because the church, not just not y'all, not just y'all. Some of y'all, I'm watching. No, uh, the church in this country, the bride, God's people are beginning to fall in line. We're being deceived and we're believing the lie that we must choose a side. Well, there's only two options, so I gotta do one or the other. There's only two, I gotta pick one. We are, when Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to the world, We are literally conforming to the world's way of doing things, and it is terrifying. See, we're buying into the idea that this is the true narrative. Whatever gets painted to us, whatever we read on the internet, whatever we see on Facebook, whatever the news tells us, we take it and shape it We form our opinion of it based on what we've already thought about things and we fall right in line and we start to believe the narrative they're telling us and the narrative that gets told to us, and I'm not just talking about the media, I'm talking about this world concept, Satan at the heart of it. What he's telling us is that you need to hate the other side. I'm bleeding, that's crazy. I bit my tongue. Okay. It's kind of spooky, right? Anyway, he's saying, like the world is telling you, hate. Jesus says love. The world is saying hate, and we are buying into it, hook, line, and sinker. And as we walk further and further down that path, we distance ourselves further and further from our purpose, from the kingdom, and from the king. You might be thinking right now that I'm just being dramatic. And I could be. Honestly, I haven't slept a lot. <laughs> you might say, man, you're blown this way out of proportion, dude. How could you like, come up with that, go that in depth, when really it's just, man, it's just opinions, it's just issues, you know. Everybody's different. Here's the deal, guys. Where there's smoke, there's fire, Right? And the Bible says you will know a tree by its fruit. And let me just say this, there's fruit laying everywhere. Yeah, just hop on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's like a stinking orchard. See, it's interesting, as, as media like expands and as social media expands, we're so not just privy to more information, but that helps form our opinions, and now we have an outlet to express our own publicly and very, very widely. So what ends up happening is that we gain momentum. We have more influence, and the side that we choose gets a lot clearer. Opinions fly everywhere. Have you seen this, by the way? Have you seen this on your news feeds? Are you a part of this? It's okay to say, you can raise your hand. No, don't, don't raise your hand. But opinions fly, don't they? Arguments erupt, tempers flare. You got these trolls. That's a thing again, I guess. Trolls without bridges, people out there like just trying to start fights. And the Bible says that out of the mouth come the intentions of the heart. But in this case, it's out of your iPhone. But it's true, isn't it? What you really feel, 
what you really think, what you really believe, gets communicated. This is not a message about your conduct on social media. <laughs> that would be lame. I'm not your mommy or your daddy. I will say this though, it's a lot of fruit on Facebook. And here's the deal, it's full of pride. Have you seen pride in people? Have you noticed it? Have you noticed anger? Have you noticed oppression? Have you noticed deceit? Have you noticed slander? Have you noticed lies? Have you noticed people who are just stirring the pot, trying to get people like just fired up at each other? Have you seen all that? All of those things are the things that the Bible says God hates. It says that those are the things that are an abomination to him. You can read it, it's in Proverbs 6. He says, six things I've hated, seven are abomination to me. And the last one, the seventh one, is the biggest one, the abomination. It's people who stir up trouble with their brothers. He hates it, hates it. And the church is in the thick of it. See, what happens when we start to do this kind of battle online? You might be part of this. I'm not here to condemn you or shame you, by the way, if you are. Not at all. Okay? But what you see, what I've seen at least, is because we're distant enough from each other, we're not face-to-face looking eye-to-eye, it's real easy to just type in some letters next to a profile pic and say whatever the heck you want to say. And usually what it's going to be, especially if you're in an argument, is something that will belittle, that will cut the legs out from underneath someone else, or it will exalt you. And to do that, first you have to dehumanize others. It's the only way that you can remain superior to them is to, in some way, in your mind, say, they are less human than me. That's why I have the right to treat them this way. And you find some kind of validation and some kind of justification. We all do this, not just in these issues, in our regular relationships. We do this all the time, but we dehumanize someone else and say, I'm better than you because of this. You are not up to my standard. You are not as human as me. It's the only way that we can sustain superiority over anybody. It justifies our rightness and their wrongness. And it's exactly why the current issues that we're facing exist today. Superiority, self-righteousness, It's why racism exists. It's why we fight over equal rights. It's why politics is such a mess. And it's exactly why these issues are so incredibly divisive. And here's what's happening, church, and the church is doing this. Jesus set this model for you and me to love your neighbor, to love your enemy, and to love your brother. He means me and you, brothers and sisters in Christ. Those are the three things that we do, but in this instance, I've seen this. I've seen it like in the past 36 hours between Christians. We condemn our enemies, we condemn our neighbors, and we condemn our brothers if they don't agree with us. Why? Because dadgummit, I'm sure I'm right. I know I'm right. And honestly, in some cases, you might be. I don't think I'm ever wrong. (laughs) Anybody else? And don't try to tell me I'm wrong, because I'm going to find a way to pick you apart, to prove at least to myself that I'm smarter than you. And most of you more handsome. No, it's (laughs) a Don't tell me I'm not right. You're wrong, I'm right. But can I ask you a question? And let me, let me just tell you this. This question 
I heard this question. This question got asked to me personally 10 years ago. It has changed my life since then. Literally changed my life. And I want you to open your ears and I want you to hear this. Soak it in. Is it better for you to be right or to be Christ-like? See, here's the deal, guys. You can't change anyone. Can you? Husband's in the room. Am I right? <laughs> I have to ask the wives too. We can be, you can't change anybody. You can't change their opinion. Trust me, if, if they are uh, adamant about an issue, there is no amount of facts there is no amount of superior information. There is no amount of how well you debate the topic. You will not change their mind because they're just like you. They're right and they're never wrong. See, we gotta realize that our focus shouldn't be on being right all the time. Here's why. Because you are not the eternal judge. And you don't get to decide what is right and what is wrong because there is only one righteous. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Jesus Christ, the only righteous man, the only one qualified to decide what is right and wrong. You and I have no stake in that game. You can't transform someone. You can't save someone. You can't do it. Your mind and your focus should be on the things that are eternal. That's what being a follower of Christ is, isn't it? I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. I have died to this world. I've left everything behind and I've picked up my cross and I've carried it. Jesus says, you've kept all my commandments, now go sell everything you own and follow me. You laid down everything to follow Jesus. It was 100% surrender. You laid down your opinions. You laid down your conduct. And you laid down your rights. Because now you are no longer a slave to sin where you are your own God that leads to death, but you are a slave to righteousness and a child of God that leads to life. You don't have rights anymore. And everything that we are and who we are should be dictated by the one that we call Lord, but we lose focus and get distracted on the things that are here and now because we are filled with pride. And this is all people and all human nature, but for some reason, right here and right now, it seems as if we are more and more comfortable going with the flow of the world. Like, for some reason, it's become permissible to share this kind of stuff, to forget love your neighbor, to forget love your enemies, to forget love one another. Screw that, I'm right. <laughs> I am so guilty of this. First one, I'm so guilty of this. And I might not put it on Facebook and I might not say it, and that's why I haven't been able to sleep, but it's in here. Every layer of it, wicked. Guys, everything in this world pales in comparison to the urgency of the mission that you've been sent on. There is a hell. It is real. And there are people that walk around us every single day. And we care more about what our president tweeted There are millions of people across this planet that have never heard the name of Jesus. They've never seen a Bible. 
And we're more concerned about a few football players kneeling. And I am not trying to offend any kind of military personnel. That's not, it's not even about that. It's a non-issue compared to the urgency of why we are here. Your allegiance is to a king and a kingdom. My allegiance is <laughs> So here's the deal. Are you willing to die to yourself today? Are, are you willing to die to yourself so that your neighbor and your enemy and your brother might live? Are you willing to say, it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. I'd rather you be alive. I'd rather you be restored. I know we stand on different sides of Black Lives Matter. I don't quite understand it. I, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to just to back off and listen to you because you're more important than my opinions. See, that, that Christ-likeness, that kind of love, that countercultural thing, it will transform Here's the deal, guys. If the church isn't doing it, who's gonna? Guarantee it right now, there's some of you that checked out. One thing I definitely guarantee is that everybody in this room is a racist. I am. And I ask God to take it out and remove it, but it's just still there. It's just ingrained in who we are. We are competitive by nature, we are a pack animal. We are homo sapiens. We're still a member of the animal species, class, genus, order, you know, kingdom. It's kingdom. We're, we're still animal in some way, and we fear what's different because it could challenge us and our position. And trust me, as the majority, guys, huh, it's real easy to poke, poke the bear. As the church, we need to be more concerned about showing the world what it looks like to forgive, to reconcile, and to unify. You know why? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. And your allegiance is to a king and a kingdom. I already said it, not to your race. Your allegiance is to a kingdom, king and a kingdom first, not to your country. I love this country. Uh, let me put it this way, actually. I love the rights and freedoms that I have in this country. And I appreciate everyone who has done anything to secure those. It allows us to do things. I live an incredibly blessed life, especially when I look worldwide. And that's why even more I go, we are wasting that sacrifice by fighting instead of trying to set captives free. Are you willing to die to yourself so that your neighbor, your enemy, and your brother might live because Jesus was? And he was willing to do it for you. Here's the great thing. See, here's, here's what all y'all are thinking maybe if you're having trouble with this. You're like, well, then that means I'm gonna have to compromise my morals or my beliefs or my ethics or whatever. Well, here's the deal. Jesus did it without compromising. He was righteous, right? He was without sin. He was able to love his enemy without compromising who he was, his very nature. He remained righteous. How? See, we're, we're living still in this black and white, left and right world where we're going, there's only door A and door B, and I gotta choose one. If I do that, I'm at war with someone else. But Jesus is going, not at all. There's another option. And that world option down there is a fantasy. It's just a deception. It's literally like a hologram or a smoke screen. It's not real. I am going to show you what's real. Reality is what I have created, and this is how it's going to be. And it clicked right there for me. That's what, means, that's what it means to, have your, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because as your mind is renewed, your eyes are open, and you are seeing what reality in this world truly is clearly. You're seeing what real purpose is. You're seeing why you exist. You're seeing everything as it should be, more clearly and more clearly, 
more clearly. Jesus offers a different storyline, a different narrative. It's the kingdom narrative. It's stuff like this. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the persecuted. So I'll finish with this. How can we live Christ's purpose for us here and now? I'm convicted. God's just been wrecking me over stuff. So, So what can we do? It's so simple. You ready? Love how he loves and love what he loves. And that's people. That's people. Here's the deal. You know how I said we dehumanize people? We make them a little lower than us so that we can feel superior to them, especially in arguments. If you realized that you and anyone else on this planet are on level ground, that you are equals, it will completely change. Completely change your views on things. I got told the most amazing story last night at this wedding. And uh, there's a gentleman who goes to our church. um, And he uh, has this friend who had a rough life growing up, and was very far from God, just, and as an adult, probably into his 40s, and the, this guy in our church, man, he'd been praying for him for years, he'd been talking to him about Jesus for years, and just, it was like it was, it just wasn't, wasn't working out, and all of a sudden, I don't know if he got a call, or when he, when he saw him, this guy calls him and says, man, I gave my life to Jesus, and it was miraculous, and things started to change. And he said that the, the one thing that was so hard, he, he immediately knew after he was saved that he was a super racist, and he'd grown up really, really racist. It was ingrained in him that African-American people were less than human, that they were bad, that they were lower. This is what he believed. And as soon as Jesus saved him, he was instantly convicted and knew right then in that moment, I have been wrong. My whole life I've been wrong. And he was sitting on a bench one day and he he looked across the way and he saw a grandfather and he was playing with his adopted granddaughter. And the grandfather was a white gentleman and the little girl was African-American. He said immediately, conviction rolled over him. Shame rolled over him. It was in that moment when someone walked by and gave them a dirty look that he realized, that's what I've been doing to people. And it broke his heart. Listen to this. You want to talk redemption right now? His son just married an African-American woman. He's thrilled. They're great. She's great. They're going to be a family. Jesus can redeem because he is about people. You are no different than someone you disagree with. I don't care if you disagree with him on every single thing, on everything, on race, on abortion, on sexuality. I don't care what it is. You are no different than them. We are guilty without Jesus. We are all sinners. But if we're willing to see our true selves, then we will see others for what they are. And it's just people. And people who need Jesus just as much as you do. We're going to read this scripture real quick. It's 2 Timothy 2, 22 through 26. And this is something super practical for you guys. This is something to like remember when, you're, when you want to when you want to tee off somewhere. So yeah, 2 Timothy 2, 22-26. So flee youthful passions. There, youthful passions mean like hard-headedness and, and like hot-headedness. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and what? Peace. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish controversies 
or foolish, ignorant, that's even better, foolish, ignorant controversies. Why? Because you know that they breed quarrels. And those don't benefit anyone. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil. Correcting his opponents with what? Gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. You hear that? Just how you have a conversation with someone could completely change the landscape. It could save them. Because all they've ever known is anger. The book of Romans says, don't you know it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance? Not fear. So where do you start? And it's super simple. You ready? Because you can't change this country. You cannot do that by yourself. You can't do it. You start in your dining room. Jesus shared the table with tax collectors and sinners because they were sick and they needed a physician. See, that's how we interact with culture. That's how we engage culture. Don't buy into the world. Don't conform to this world. See through it. See through all that stuff. Don't be deceived anymore, but be transformed. A different and the true perspective, the renewed mind sanctified by the truth. Be the counterculture that is love. Let's pray. God, I don't even know what to say to you right now. Um, I, I just pray that, I pray for our country right now. I pray that the love of Christ would prevail over hate. I pray that the church would follow its king. So Jesus, we need you. God, guard us from temptation, God, and give us an opportunity, God, to reconcile. Give us opportunities to share our tables. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.